welcome to Feed, Play, Love and this episode of Helpline with sleep consultant Jo Ryan. She's here to answer all your questions, whether it's about sleeping, settling, feeding. Let's be honest, most of the questions are about sleeping because that's what we miss most when our, <laughs> when our babies are unsettled. There are a number of ways of questions you can, ways you can ask Joe your questions. If you're joining us live on Facebook, you can pop your questions below this video or you can direct message us if you'd like to be anonymous or you can send an email to helpline at theparentbrand.com.au and we will respond to your questions next week. Hello, Joe. Welcome. Hi, thank you. Uh, let's start with a question from Alana from Facebook Live. She says, please help. My daughter is almost three and was born with a brain bleed. She has sensory processing disorder and global development delay, and we are about to be assessed for ASD and ADHD. My problem is she sleeps in my bed and always has getting her to settle and to sleep is a nightmare and then once asleep only sleeps a couple a solid couple of hours and then wakes continuously all through the night she's very restless tossing and turning kicking me to move me demanding a bottle what do i do i'm exhausted and that's from alana god i'd be exhausted yeah, too. yeah i can only time, you know i can't even imagine actually how exhausting it must be for alana so um I think uh, children with developmental delays or global developmental delays can have sleep-related issues. Um, it just depends on the way their brain is is working and and the way that's processing the sleep and and all of that sort of stuff. I'm no expert in that, so um, I would certainly get some you know professional advice around that, which I'm sure she has. Um, and whether there is um, a sleep um, apnea issue or a sleep Problem. So it might be worth getting a sleep study done. Um, so that's something that I would discuss with your doctor. Um, but just establishing some good sleep habits as well, um, you know, around perhaps um, maybe moving her to a mattress on the floor in your room might be a good start. And then that way, you know, with the kicking and the moving around, it might not be so um, difficult for Alana, you know, um, and you know that's probably the first thing i would do and also maybe removing the bottle as well as a kind of a comfort thing i'm not quite sure how attached she is to it or whether that's an option but it might be something because older babies and toddlers that get very attached to those things and they do wake because of that because of that association or they or every time they rouse they kind of look for that thing uh, which causes them to wake more so um so that's something, Alana, that I would think about, you know, instead of offering the bottle, just offer her some comfort and, and try to get back her back to sleep um, without offering the bottle. And eventually it should pass and, and her expectation for getting a bottle overnight um, should pass. And, and often when children are um, expecting something overnight, they do sleep poorly. You know, I always relate it to us. You know, you know, if you've got something to do in the morning, you've got to get up early and you send the alarm, you know, like catch a plane or something. So you've got to get up at 4.30. So you're waking like every hour going, oh my God, is it time to get up yet? Because your brain and your body knows that you've got this thing to do. And some children are like that. So she may not be able to settle into a good sleep pattern because she's always thinking. And she's also very conscious that you're there. And, and that is a thing as well. So they're the things that I would maybe try to address straight away like 
moving her out of your bed, maybe onto a mattress in the floor if that's an option. Um, and, and trying to remove that sleep association overnight. But I would also just speak to your doctor um, about getting some sleep studies to see if there is something else that's causing her to wake. You know, often enlarged tonsils or adenoids cause some sleep apnea. You know, these are all things to look at as well, to, you know, in older children who have sleep issues. Well, good luck, Alana. We're rooting for you. That's Best a long, that's long three years, not getting mm. much sleep. Absolutely. We have a question from Alexandra on Facebook Live. She says, my six-month-old sleeps all night and is in a great routine. Would it throw him off if he stays at his grandparents for one night while mm -hmm. hubby and I have a night away? I'm worried about ruining a good thing. So should we just take him with us? He still breastfeed feeds but is night weaned he's my first baby that sleeps at night so i don't want to ruin it i would be taking advantage of the fact that he's six months old and sleeping all night that's brilliant so i don't think it should be an issue um i mean because he's sleeping all night so i think the thing with moving children out of their kind of environment um is to just that's why it's important to have a ritual around sleep you know so that wherever he is as long as that ritual is done or you know so he has dinner bath book goes into his bag he goes into a cot he has his comforter if he has one you know so that everything is the same and that you know the grand grandparents don't sort of introduce anything new then I don't think it would be a problem, particularly for one night, you know, and I think I would absolutely be taking advantage of that. Yeah. And enjoy yourself. Go, Alexandra. Ooh, that's right. <laughs> Do it for the rest of us. Yeah. <laughs> this is an email from uh, Johnny from our helpline group, actually. She says, what does an ideal loose guide slash schedule look like for a 16 week, week old? I feel like my wake times are off. His morning wake time is 5.36ish. He feeds approximately three hourly and I aim to have a good lunch sleep in his cot for one and a half to two hours at 12.30 or 1 p.m. Settling for his nap is usually done by me patting him 90% of the time to sleep while he lies in his cot. I also have a two-year-old toddler, so naps in the morning are usually on the go in a stroller or car in a capsule. At night, he wakes for a feed at 10.30, 11-ish and 1.32-ish. Sometimes there's an additional wake time throughout the night where husband resettles by padding in bed. No health issues. Gaining weight well, feeds well. We use a dummy in the car capsule, but not at home. I'm just wondering if this routine is okay for his age. Uh, look, it sounds okay. I mean, I think, um, you know, it's very hard when you have a baby and a toddler. So you have to kind of adjust things. And so it's not going to be, you know, it's probably not going to be, you know, textbook, I guess. For, for a 16-week-old, which would be, you know, a, a long first nap, a long second nap, a short third nap, and maybe a short fourth nap if, if we need to get him through to bedtime, um, if he starts his day early, which it sounds like he does. So, you know, I think one long nap a day is fine. The thing that I really like to stress with um, babies, it's not about the time, it's about the wake period, you know. So rather than keeping your eye on the clock for like, oh, it's one o'clock, I need to put him down, watch how long he's been awake for because that will determine generally how well he sleeps. So for a 16 week old, the first wake time of the day should be around an hour and a quarter to an hour and a half at the most. The rest of the day, an hour and a half to two hours, but anything over two hours will kind of push him over into the overtired sort of category. 
So that's what I would be watching, you know, and trying to get him to fall asleep in his cot, which it sounds like you're doing, which is brilliant, you know, with a bit of padding, but you know, over the course of time, and if he's not too overtired, what you could start to do is reduce that intervention so that, you know, he's doing more of the putting himself to sleep, you know, so that by the time he's kind of six months, he's for most of the time putting himself to sleep, which will be helpful. But otherwise I think it sounds great. Excellent. This next question comes from Jaksha on our Facebook Live. She says, my daughter will be turning five next year in February. So she's starting school next year. She is so immature, immature. She screams for everything and she can't sit still. She's always running and has never been able to sit still for more than 10 to 15 minutes. I'm worried that she's really not ready, but she is the right age for school. Do you have any advice? Look, this is such a hard question because it's very individual Um, and maybe school is going to be great for her. You know, maybe it's going to be a good um, settling, you know, settling time. And some girls are... or or children are like that because they're a bit bored at home too. You know, they're, they're not being stimulated enough and school might provide that extra stimulation that she's looking for, you know. Um, And most schools do an assessment, don't they? Yeah, I was just going to say, I would actually go and talk to the school about what they think and, and, you know, let them do an assessment about whether they think she's ready or not. Um, You know, I'm not really an expert in that, but I think um, I, I wouldn't rule it out, you know, because then, you know, sometimes particularly girls who, tend to be more mature as they grow a little bit ahead of the boys as well. You know, if she's a bit too old for her year, then, you know, these are all things to consider, but you know, it might be worth, it might be worth waiting. So my, yeah, I think, I think Siobhan's right. I would go and talk to the school and see what they think. Um, Cause it, you know, it might not be a bad thing. And also, I mean, I know February next year feels very close right now, but four months in the life of a child can make the biggest difference. I remember being worried about, um, I think even my daughter about starting school. uh, And my sister just said, look, just wait and see, because she's going to change in that period. And um, actually, Jaksha, my daughter turned five in February and she, we sent her to school that year and my son turned six in May and we kept him back a year. So it, it is based on the child, but I definitely felt by the time she went to school, she was ready. So um, yeah. yeah, if that's any help, yeah. <laughs> there's a very non-expert opinion from me, of course. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm no expert about school as well but I, I you know I do think go and talk to the experts go yep. to the school and, and see what they think yeah and also daycare if she goes to daycare our daycare was brilliant at saying no keep you like with my son he's probably better off with another year here mm. um, and with my daughter she was ready to go so they're good as well if she's in um, a daycare early learning setting um this is a question from Sinead on our facebook live she says we argue with my nearly four-year-old every morning and night to brush her teeth she's always defiant we've tried many strategies but she will always delay this has been the case for years she had three cavities and four steel caps put on her teeth a few months ago is there another strategy we can try without arguing every day Wow, that sounds quite dramatic. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> we stumped you. It was the three cavities. Yeah, the three cavities. I was, it? I was like, wow. And she's four? 
nearly yeah. four. Wow. Okay. I mean, I, I find with this age, it's it's better to make them want to buy into the process. You know, there's no benefit for being punitive or strict or you have to do this because it sounds like she's one of those kids who's just going to go, no, you know, push back. Nothing wrong with that. You know, it's just difficult managing them when they're small. So in order to get buy-in, um, you need to include her in all the process around that. So, you know, I don't know whether, look, and, and you know, I'm sure she's probably tried these things, but, you know, buying, taking her and choosing one of those great electric, little electric toothbrushes, making it part of a bedtime ritual, you know, reward chart system, you know, where these things have you know, done and then there's, she can participate in putting a sticker on the board or, you know, maybe there's a, a sort of um, reward way off in the distance. I mean, I'm not a huge fan, but reward being like, let's, we go and do this. It doesn't actually have to be a thing, you know. Um, uh, you know, though there is a school thought that reward is not a great way of, you know, managing it because then they're only doing it for the benefit. But, you know, I think sometimes it does work, you know, and, um, you know, asking her, like, what is it about? Why don't you want to brush your teeth? Like finding out whether she can actually tell you what it is about the process that she doesn't like, you know, and feeling so she feels that she's being heard, you know, as well, which, you know, for little people, they don't, think like we do, but there is an element of that going on. They just can't express it, you know. So maybe there is a reason why she doesn't want to do it. You know, is it better for her to do it in the bath or in the shower when she's doing that rather than later? You know, like maybe you could move that till up to after dinner and so it's all part of a another thing. So it takes the focus off. You know, I, I, I just think I would try to talk to her about it and find out what she doesn't like about it and change it. So that, you know, she, or ask her how she would like to do it. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's a tricky one. Maybe the dentist has some ideas too. I'm sure they, you know, um, deal with children who are a bit anti-brushing their teeth. I'm sure they deal with a lot of adults as well. <laughs> like that. <laughs> um, our next question comes from Nicole on the email. She says, um, I'm after some advice for my almost two-year-old. He's never been a great sleeper, but the past three weeks, he will not self-settle at all. He could fall asleep in our arms instantly, but we're trying to teach him to self-settle. So we cuddle him till he's calm and then pop him down. We wait at the door, but he ends up screaming, yelling and crying and won't settle at all. He throws his dummy and stands up against the side of the cot. He does this until we pick him up to calm him down. We've tried to lay him down and pat him, but as soon as we try and leave, he's upset again, no matter how asleep he seemed. We have tried intermittent settling, but he gets so worked up and is then really hard to try and calm down when you go in the room. We've been going through this for three weeks now. And even though we are doing all the settling techniques, um, oh, this was addressed to Chris from her book. Uh, I think sometimes you just need to sleep yourselves. So you end up cuddling yeah. him or bringing him to bed which we know doesn't work, help all the work we have done previously. My partner works full time and we have a seven year old and this is affecting our whole family. We just want yeah. to teach him how to self settle and sleep, but it doesn't seem to be working and I would love any advice. Thank you. Now we've got two extra bits. He naps once a day for about an hour at most. Mm -hmm. He should have more. And I suspect, um, 
he's overtired, but I don't know where to start. I'm exhausted. And he is currently being assessed for potential sensory issues around his mouth. So removing the dummy isn't a viable option, even though I know it's not ideal. So, sorry, Shav, how old is he again? Almost two. Almost two, right. Okay, so uh, it, things are really cemented for him, okay? And he's a two-year-old, so he's a toddler. You know, he's, gonna, he's got a lot of stamina. He's got a lot of pushback. So it's going to be tough. The thing to remember about babies and toddlers is that they will always fall asleep eventually, okay? Eventually. So the hard part for us is sort of seeing that through. So I don't advocate you leaving him on his own at all. I think what you should do is lay him down and pat him or just be present. Let him sit up, stand up. You know, I find when I've dealt with toddlers that often um, you just sort of um, say, you know, you just sit there, let them have a bit of a yell while I'm sort of stroking or because often they, they just won't. And you can't force a toddler to lie down. I mean, that's, but eventually they calm down and, and I say, are you ready to lie down now? And often they'll go, yes, please, you know, or yes. And you lie them down and then you stroke or pat or stroke their heads or comfort and stay with them the whole time, you know, until they fall asleep. So that would be the first stage. Okay. And then once they've done it once, it's amazing, you know, and it might take you two hours to get them to sleep you know, but he will fall asleep eventually. If you start, start this at bedtime. So we know that eventually he's going to go to sleep, you know. Um, being a two-year-old, an hour of sleep during the day is not terrible, you know, so I think that that's um, okay. Um, but maybe have him in bed by sort of 6.30 rather than, you know, later. So that, you know, if it takes you an hour and a half, he's still in bed, you know, going to sleep at a reasonable hour. Um, and then you can start to pair back, you know. It might take a few nights where he's a little... Um, he starts to calm down, you know, then you might find that you can reduce the touching or the padding, you know, then you might find the next stage would be, I would pop him down and then leave for, you know, 30 seconds. And with a two-year-old, you always explain, I'm just going to go and do this. I'm just going to go and do this, but I'll come back, you know, and keep very short periods of out of the room, 30 seconds, you know. So what you've got to do is build up their trust that you are around that you're there that you haven't just because they have this object permanence but they don't really understand that you're you're actually you're in the other room you know that he's still probably a bit little to kind of understand that so you have to give reassurance i'm coming back i will come back and always do what you say you do so very short periods out of the room then you can start to extend that when he starts to calm so it is a bit of a process but there's definitely ways to get it you know they do learn quickly but we've got to be consistent and that's the key you know and i understand it's very frustrating so you know my advice around that would be give yourself a, a date in the future get some sleep just do what you've been doing you know until you go right from this day we are going to tackle it and give it a week you know of being really consistent and you should find some really good you know make some really good progress that's such good advice. Good luck. Little yeah, old. best of luck. Our next question comes from Ricky on Facebook Live. She says, my daughter is five, starting school next year, and she's very anxious about meeting new people and making new friends. How can I help her through this? Um, yeah, look, she's five, did you say? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, kids are pretty, you know, I mean, we're all different and some are, you know, extrovert and, you know, love seeking out new friends and some introvert, but 
I mean, there's not, as a parent, I think you can't force that to happen as much as we want it to happen for our children. I think providing space for them to meet other children outside of school. So, you know, having friends over or getting involved in, you know, um, extracurricular activities, dance, sport, you know, those sorts of things are always good, which is only little, but you know, like dance, you know, is a good one playing some sport or, um, you know, just getting involved in those activities where they might, she might be around people, other kids like, like her with her interests. I'm not, you know, whatever her interests might be, you know, um, but you let, just let it happen. You know, just let it happen naturally would be my advice. You know, kids are pretty good at finding their people. You know, this is, I don't have many ex- expertise, but just because my son started school this year, this is something I may be able to mention. Ricky, some of the schools will actually, um, if you approach them, you might be able to make contact with other parents and do a couple of playdates before she starts school. Um, I know that a lot of primary schools will do, um, meet, I don't know if they're doing it now because of COVID, but they'll often do orientation days where kids can meet new other kids, which can be very overwhelming when they're first starting school. But you can then sort of pick out a few parents if you see your little one playing and organise to see them again outside of school. And those orientations tend to happen at the very end of the year before school, before the end of the year or even January the, year, the next year. Um, so maybe just check in with your school and see whether they're doing those sorts of things. Um, cause then at least she'll know that she will know one or two mm. kids. And also the teachers, primary school teachers are brilliant. They mm. really do nurture children in kindy. They don't just get thrown in there and left on their own. So, um, I've noticed definitely at our school, the teachers were always keeping an eye on my kids and letting me know if they had friends or if they're having any problems. Mm. Um, so I know if she's anxious now, that doesn't really help, but I would just get in touch with the school and find out if they're doing those orientations and then you can talk to her about that. Mm. Um, and if she, and if you know of any kids that are going to be in her year, you know, maybe yes. you've got friends in the neighborhood or, you know, maybe organize some preschool catch-ups just so she's, yeah, she's met them and she knows them and, yeah. Mm, I remember doing that once, Jo. <laughs> just so you don't have any false expectations, I did organize that with my son and a whole stack of kids his age that were going to the school and we went to a public pool and I swear each child <laughs> went to a separate area of the pool and oh. I thought, well, you know, I tried. <laughs> I tried if they don't want to be friends. That's right. So it doesn't always happen. Like you said, Joe. they're very small. It takes time. It definitely takes time. And for some kids, um, I was an incredibly shy child and it just, uh, it always took me a long time to just feel my way and find your people. But, you know, eventually it works out. You'll get there. Sorry for that long-winded answer, Ricky. I like to feel like I have some <laughs> something to contribute sometimes. Absolutely. <laughs> this question comes from Kylie on our Facebook Live. She says, my 21-month-old 20 20 son is constantly hitting or biting. How can we stop it? He laughs if we tell him off, which is very frustrating. Help. Yeah. Yeah, the age-old biting, hitting problem. It's very much a toddler uh, problem. It's a pre-verbal, generally a, a, a verbal issue because they're very frustrated about not being able to um, 
you know, say, speak, use the words that they want to, you know, and express themselves. So, um, so we need to kind of all the while explaining that we don't do that and that it hurts, you know, so it hurts me when you bite me or you hit me and, you know, there's the, our hands aren't for hitting, you know, and there's books around that. But also try to understand what he is trying to express. You know, I can see that you're frustrated. I can see you're upset or, you know, what is it that you want? You know, can I, you know, try to kind of help him work out how to express himself. You know, it is a period that does pass. I know, Chev, we've talked about that before. And, um, you know, they, it does seem that it's horrible while it's in it. But you just have to, you know, remove him from the situation. Always just keep reinforcing that's not what we do. He's going to laugh because he's getting attention and he thinks, you know, as long as you remain calm, you know, try not to get upset with them. Just explain to them that that's not what you do. And it makes me feel, you know, how it makes you feel. So instead of saying it makes mummy feel, it makes me feel sad or when you do that or it hurts me when you hit me. You know, I don't like it. So just keep reinforcing that, you know, and um, hopefully it will pass quickly. Mm. This is a question from Zoe on Facebook Live. I have a four-month-old with bad reflux. We finally have her meds under control, but we've undone all good settling habits, holding her up and burping constantly. She wakes every two, hour, two hours or even every 40 minutes every night and won't let you put her back down. She needs my breast to settle and I can't get her to take a bottle or dummy. I'm trying to get her back to self-settling, but it's so hard, especially when she only settled on my breast. Do you have any advice? Well, four months is still quite young. So there's plenty of, you know, it's not, it's not terrible now. You know, reflux is a really bad, you know, um, start, I guess, if a baby has bad reflux, because we do do, you just got to do what you got to do. Um, but like I say, if it's, if it's sort of under control now by four months, it's certainly, you know, it can certainly sort it out quickly. My advice would be to um, really work on, remember she's little though. So, you know, often it's not going to work every time, but start to settle her in her cot, you know. Uh, rather than on you um, and she will get it a dummy could be helpful a lot of reflux babies do like to suck so because she's so you know she's so like sucking the boob that maybe you could try a dummy and just it takes a bit of practice she doesn't like it don't worry you know i would just be um settling her, like feeding her burping her so make sure that you do that with a bit of time before bed popping her down awake and then patting her off to sleep in the bed. If you have to pick her up and calm her down in between time, that's totally fine. Um, but just work on really settling her in the bed and that should affect her sleep in a good way, um, all her sleep. So that's the sort of thing that I would work on from, from the moment, from now. Okay. Well, we've probably got time for one more question, if I can sneak it in. This is from Sheena on Facebook Live. She says, my daughter is six in March and really struggled to sleep at night. This has gotten worse since the COVID restrictions have been in place, I believe. She's starting to look distracted at her swimming class after school, can't focus and looking around. And I've noticed she's taking silly risks. I think it all relates to not getting enough, enough sleep. She can't verbalize why she can't sleep, but needs one of us in bed with her, in, in bed every night with her and gets anxious about us leaving. What should I do to help her? Yeah, look, I think we probably underestimate how our children have reacted to COVID. You know, I think um, across the board, it's, um, it's, you know, probably had quite a massive impact and anxiety is high, you know, so um, I think we need to be very conscious of that. And um, 
Uh, there's a lot of things you could help. Uh, you could provide. I mean, Kindling have some great meditations um, with Amy, um, and I've recommended them to a few of quite a few of my clients, and I've found they really help, helped. So, some pre-bed, pre-sleep meditation. There's a lot of apps that you can use as well, um, just to kind of calm her mind. You know, maybe get her to talk about her day as well. You don't have to focus on what's worrying her because often, as you say, they can't verbalize what it is, but it's just something, you know, maybe ask her to talk about how her body's feeling. You know, do you feel, is there a knot in your stomach? You know, can we focus on, you know, getting rid of that, you know, things like that, that you can do, but there's a lot of apps and a lot of things out there to help those to help. And, and yes, I agree that perhaps the lack of sleep does is causing her to be a bit less focused and taking more risks. Um, so that's what I would focus on trying to get her to go to bed a bit earlier and work on trying to get her to get to sleep with, with that, you know, and hopefully things will improve. Yeah. And those meditations are really good, aren't they? Just to mm. um, help children identify their own feelings in their own bodies and mm. they're very professionally done. So they will help her um, yeah. sort of go through those motions of settling in. Yeah. So you might fall asleep as well. Just that's right. That's right. Very calming. <laughs> well, Joe, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's always a pleasure to have you on. And um, I will just mention if, uh, because we did have a lot of questions today, we can't always get through all of them, but um, Babyology does have the parent school with experts like Joe there where you can do a one-on-one -on -one consult with her you book in with her it's a paid session but you get that one-on-one -on -one time where you can have a conversation with joe because as you can tell joe works very much from the personality of yourself your family your child as do all our experts so um i'll put links in the notes of this facebook live and in the notes of the podcast if you'd like to go on and check out the parent school otherwise we will be back with helpline next week so um, you can send your questions through to helpline at theparentbrand.com.au or join us back here on facebook live at 11 30 a.m eastern daylight standard time <laughs> david that oh, one daylight daylight saving time yeah. eastern stand eastern daylight savings time yeah. i always get my tongue tied around that anyway you know what i mean Eleven thirty next week joe thanks again and we'll see you all next week bye-bye Bye. feed play love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me siobhan hunt I'd love to hear from you, so if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.